Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, March 10, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? There's actually a lot of stuff on the docket, including, including a potential, and we'll call it a conspiracy theory for effect, but once we get into the different charts, we're going to bring Russia into the fold, and I think we'll start to put together an explanation for what's happening in one of the markets we watch. Stay tuned. We'll come back to that later. First, let's take a look at what's jumping off the page on the daily chart. We have a couple of lines on the screen. The green one is from last night, 441 and a quarter. If the market's going to go up, that is a reasonable target. It's not the ultimate target. It's just a target. We don't have to worry about that now until or unless the market starts to go up and starts getting over at least 432. We talked about that general zone last night. So we don't need to rehash that stuff. 425 and a quarter is not on the screen, but 425.75 is. We'll talk about the importance of that number in a little while. You'll see that one come from inside the numbers. You'll also notice it seemed to be around the high of day today. Funny how that works. What else do we have on the daily chart? Well, first thing is the trend is your friend until she throws your shit out the window. The trend is down. And anything we see right now is a bounce in a downtrend, a.k.a. sell the rip environment. Not all rips are created equal. Some will be multi-day short covering rallies. Some will be one-day wonders or half-a-day wonder. Or how about a 15-minute wonder? Hence, not all rips are created equal. We have a gap down below left open from the close of business yesterday. They did not fill that gap today. So today's low happens to be around 420.44. The official gap, the closing price yesterday, is 416 and a quarter. And that other spot is for 1962. They hit neither. The other spot represents what I call the closing of the white space. That's a new term. Just made it up. We'll go with it. So either way, they didn't get down there. So A, is that bullish behavior? They went back in the other direction. They finished the day rather positive, even though down on the day, still a positive day in relation to where they opened up and what could, I repeat, could have happened, but didn't. They could have unraveled this thing. They could have taken back the entire rally from yesterday and even gone lower, obviously, but they didn't do that. That's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Opportunity to go down. They chose not to. We're taking that as something on the bull side of the ledger. It's nothing to make a trade off of, but it's information we need to know in order to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. What else did they do today that may not be noticeable from the naked eye? Well, it's a little more noticeable maybe on an intraday chart, but they did what's called a garden variety or what I like to call a garden variety retracement. So if you take yesterday's low down in this neck of the woods and then the high up in this neck of the woods, and sorry, this is the low from the 8th, but the low from the 8th up to the high, yesterday's high, 
what they've done is a garden variety 618 retrace and bounced off of it. That is, by definition, garden variety. Now, they had an opportunity to come down and fill the gap down here. They didn't do it. Why not? Now, they have two open gaps. You have one up here. Maybe they get that tomorrow. You have one down below. They're going to do one of the two. So if they're opening up weak, we'll figure they may be headed for the gap down south. If they head up or they're strong in the morning, it's the gap up north. If they open above one or below the other, that's also going to likely tell the tale for the rest of the day on Friday. Put that stuff on a sticky note. Also, let's put it this way. You've got to think about the last couple of days' activity like this. You have a big up candle. It is a breakup candle yesterday. Even though there's a gap, price was still lower the day before. So technically, this is a big breakup candle, and they're still trading inside that breakup candle. They didn't even run a test all the way to the low of the breakup candle, which would be where? The gap. And also, just for effect, they're still playing defense inside the low of this reversal candle from February 24th. Let's check out inside the numbers. Today, there is some very important stuff in here. It starts at zero dark 30. Pay attention, get out your sticky notes, and sharpen your pencil. So they were pulling back after yesterday's big time bull day. Garden variety pullbacks are normal. Failures are something else. So what I'm saying here really curtails into what we said before, which is it was a garden variety retracement. That's normal market behavior. It's actually in the 80% of the 100% routine, the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, the same stuff happens over and over again, and therefore, it's normal. Remember, big swings in both directions. Expansion of volatility. We have to expect big swings in both directions. So the numbers were straightforward. Let's get right down to business. 423.80 remains an important spot. We know that one from yesterday. Opening the day below will be a recapture to the south side. This includes the pre-market activity 423.80, and you can see here, look at the low in this candle, 423.82. They're playing games with this area. Whether the price, the actual price, is a couple of pennies above or below is irrelevant. 423.80 is the number we're using, and you can see this general zone was absolutely important both in the pre-market and also early on in the regular session. They opened below, they tried to get up above, they spiked it, but then they fell away again. If they get below that, it's bearish, and then the next thing we focus on is another pivot low from yesterday at 422.82, and if they get below that, the door opens up for some lower stuff. We're going to narrow down those numbers, as you'll see, when the day gets underway. This is the first look at zero dark 30, but there's another side, umpire, balls and strikes. The Bulls would like to open the day at least above 425.75 to keep the bull case from yesterday alive. Remember that number. It was already on the board. It's going to come back around. Let's scroll up, see what else we have as the day begins to get underway. As the morning grew on and the opening bell grew closer, 
They were melting away a little bit. So the door was beginning to open for 419 and lower. They didn't get there. They ended up getting as low as 420 and change today, but the door was open. Now, door open doesn't mean they're going there, and you'll see this later in the notes. There's two different things between the door is open, which means they can go there, and then if they get there, there's a high probability we're going to find a support area, meaning buyers, buy the dip crowd, call them whatever you want. There's a different probability between getting to a number and knowing what's likely to happen at that number versus will they just fall to that number. Those are two different things, and they're not the same. And we're moving along. They were going back and forth early on. The only thing that closes the door for 419 is getting back above 422.82, which was the pivot low from yesterday. Getting below that pivot low from yesterday opens them up into no man's land. So here's a 15-minute chart, and over here is the pivot low I'm talking about at 422.82. So then you can see I've moved the line down, the importance of how that number works, and you can see it a little better magnified on a five-minute chart. You can see where they fight that number. It is a pivot low. It's important. I know it's important. Other market participants know it's important. Therefore, it's important. And remember from the notes, once they get above and stay above, it opens the door or closes the door for that 419 and lower stuff. 422.82 was important. All right, let's see what else we have. The bull bear battle is whether or not they get back inside 422.82. Let's say they do. If they start to rally, 424.40 would be the target, then 425 and above. This was posted at 9.54. I've moved the top line down to 4.25. This candle closed at 10 o'clock. The previous one closed at 9.55. The post was while price was down here near 4.22.82, 92.423 in that neighborhood. Why? Why was the post made? Because I know four and a quarter is an important number. There's another one above. We'll get to that later. It was the 4.25.75, but that was for a different reason. So I knew if they stayed above a certain area for 2282, then they would get sucked up to the next important number. If they stay below 42282, then they get sucked down to the next important number. That's the way it works, and that's why it pays to what? You got it. Know thy numbers. So what was the high in this candle? 425 even. What was the target? 425 even. How you doing? And we're moving along. 10 o'clock. Let's say they stay on the bull side of the fence. What's next? 425.75 is the ticket to another leg higher, like a squeeze leg. Awareness. It's magnetic, overhead resistance, and important. Closing candles above is the next leg conversation. So what I'm saying here in so many words is, that's an important spot, don't you think? The pivot is 422, back below, and they're in no man's land. Then you start talking about 419 again. If they stay above the other stuff, 422.82, the pivot, then you start focusing on the higher stuff. 1021, it's pretty quiet. Candle closes above 424.50, opens the door for 425.75, which is, write this down, a Mac Daddy number. What does that mean? It's really, really important. Mac daddy, that's a technical term. We're moving along. 
Let's see what else we have. They were bouncing back and forth, back and forth. So we're updating. There's information here. Pause the video, read the notes, and go back to the charts. I just want to point out a few more important things. So they fell again, and then by 1226, we're posting this. 422.50 is a spot where the door would open for more if they can get and close candles above. So things change throughout the day. You make adjustments to the numbers as the market develops its storyline. So 422.50, they start closing candles above, and what happens? They start going higher. That was posted midday. They didn't start moving higher till like 130, 120, 130 in that neighborhood. An hour before, that's information you would like to know. If you're active in the market or would like to be active in the market during the trading day, don't you think this is good quality tour guide information? Again, pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts. You got the whole thing. I'm giving you the numbers ahead of time. Look, 230. They're still working on getting to 425.75. 204. 425.75 is important. They're about to run a test. We've been talking about that number all day long. Read the notes. Double check the work. Stocks on the move. We had a laundry list today, a short laundry list. Two of them hit their price entry objectives. Three did not. The ones that didn't are off the board. They're no trades. We'll take a look at NVIDIA and SE. This one qualifies for the manner in which this is a trader's choice scenario. They came down. They bounced away. Came down into the number at 220.43 later on in the morning. And then they found support and went on their rocket ride for the remainder of the day. The numbers work. That's the short version takeaway. However, the manner in which... I would personally prefer if they came into the thing right away. That's the best opportunity for a trading opportunity. But the numbers work. SE, self-explanatory, 91.90, comes into the thing, goes up, comes back down, then goes on the rocket ride. So they didn't let you have the whole thing. No trader is going to have this gain. Let it go negative, stay in the trade, and then wait for the rocket ride. That's not how the business of trading works, but... When you look at the big picture, look what happened. The number was uber important. By the way, the second number was 89.41, and the low of day is 89.64. Would have been nice to get that entry as a standalone, don't you think? What's going on in Camp IWM? About some relative strength by the end of the day, closing near the highs, knocking on the door of that 20-period moving average. Now, the 20-period moving average really isn't all that important. They've been back and forth through it, so therefore, that diminishes the importance of that moving average, but it's just that. It's an average, and guess what? Things revert to the mean. What's price doing? It's reverting back to home base. Home base is the 20-period moving average. As long as they're sucked into or staying near home base, they have an opportunity to do what? Get above home base. That creates a different type of of situation. They had an opportunity to fall away, fill the gap down below. They chose not to. I believe there are no accidents nor coincidences across the market or pretty much anywhere else. Therefore, there's a reason why they're knocking on the door of that moving average. Here's a 120 chart. Let's just say this for a second. Just a hypothetical situation. I'm not a bull. I'm not a bear. I'm just saying for one side of the coin, why can't this be a move up a garden variety retracement, a higher low, and a resumption to the upside. Why can't that be? 
And the answer is, it absolutely can be. To be fair, back to the daily chart, can we wake up to a gap down, fill the gap, and go lower tomorrow? Absolutely. That's 100% possible. We're just dealing with what's on the board right now. Look at both sides. Yeah, the bear side is possible, but the bull side also makes sense, so you can't discount either one. What's more likely right now? The more likely scenario is they just made a higher low, garden variety retracement. They're back up near the highs, meaning they closed at the highs of day. So why would they do that if they're going to fall apart? Yesterday was a good day. Today they do a garden variety retracement. Looked like everything was going to fall apart this morning. And I'm talking across all the markets. And then all of a sudden they don't. So in the end, it was in fact a garden variety retracement. That's why we coined the phrase garden variety retracement. That's all it was. Everybody gets all frantic. They start plugging in reasons in the news. Russia this, Ukraine that, Fed this, economy, gas, oil. It's all another brick in the wall of worry. Not that they're not important things, either together or on a standalone basis, but in the end, and I know it's a hard concept to wrap your head around, they have nothing whatsoever to do with the market on a day-to-day basis. They're excuses for the movement after the fact. Can a news item be a spark that sends the market in one direction or another and then natural stuff takes over? Absolutely. If Russia dropped a nuclear bomb overnight, would the market crash? Absolutely. My contention is that the market was going to crash that day with or without the nuclear bomb. It could have been something else. It would have been something else. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying we can always know when those things are happening or are going to happen, or could happen, all that stuff. All I'm saying is, it's predetermined. The news is after the fact. Hard concept to wrap your head around. I'm bonkers. Inside my head is a dangerous place to be, but I know my numbers, so you stay with it. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Well, guess what? The canary in the coal mine. You hear me say it all the time. Second favorite market leading indicator, and by the way, IWM, was down less than two-tenths of 1% today. Not that the SPY was down all that much, but it was still down less than half. So guess what? Here you have the second favorite market-leading indicator, A number one canary, up on the day over 1%. Accidents or coincidences, how about a higher low? Where's the higher low? Right here. You have a low down here in February. You have a higher low You're knocking on the door of a breakdown candle high. You get over that, and guess what? You're up into the 100-period moving average. Not all in one shot, but that's really the concept. Apples, you like them apples, don't you? How about the Q people? What's going on here? Well, they're not in as good or as bad of shape as some other markets. They're kind of a tweener market. They filled the gap up north. They're hanging around in no man's land. There's a lot of space down here. There's an open gap down here. Any sign of negative news, anything that with an excuse to be near today's lows and they'll go down and run, fill that gap just like the SPY will. But it's going to depend on the open. It's going to depend on the morning activity that will generally set the tone for the day leading into the weekend. Are we going to get one of those, nobody wants to hold them into the weekend so they kill them into the close? Or... Do they buy them up all day and they finish strong into the weekend, leaving you scratching your head saying, hey, what's going to happen over the weekend? Who knows what in advance? They're always going to leave you guessing one way or the other. The job of Trick and Company, also known as 
the trick trap fool and frustrate crew is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. That's their main job. They're pretty freaking good at it. Now on to the financials. Here comes my conspiracy slash made up storyline based on some information that's trickling out. So here's the thing. We know that without the financials in one direction or another, the market's not going anywhere. If the financials are melting, it's not likely the market's going to be rallying and vice versa. So the financials have been melting. They are weak on a relative basis when you look at the longer term charts. We've been discussing it day in, day out. So here's what's going on, or at least one of the things that's going on. We have the whole Russia thing. We have the whole thing where not only countries, but companies are putting the squeeze on Russia. They're pulling out. They're not doing business over there. They're ceasing contracts, all that kind of stuff. So they're trying to squeeze Russia into submission. Whether that works or it doesn't work, who knows? But here's the thing. If you're going to squeeze Russia's economy, there are intended and unintended consequences. The intended consequences are to squeeze Russia, to cause them financial economic pain. But what are the unintended consequences of that? So if business isn't being done in Russia, and Russia's GDP, and we're just talking around the big picture thing, if Russia's gross domestic product really gets sucked down because they're not producing, they're not selling, they're not exporting, they're not importing, they're not doing anything. That's what these sanctions are targeted to do. Anything, not doing anything is a little strong, but the point is they're going to have to look around the world for other sources to source materials and goods that takes time. There's going to be an economic impact. Well, if there's going to be an economic impact to a country, don't you think that there's going to be economic impact to financial system that supports the country. Well, what system is that? How about the entire global financial system? All the banks are intertwined. They're all interdependent on one another. We learned that very clearly in the financial crisis during 2008, 2009, 2007. Now, the government would want you to believe that they've remedied that situation. They haven't. The banks are dependent on each other. They're all counterparties to one another, which means they all hold risk for one another. They lay off risk with one another. It's like a big bookie situation. So now, all of a sudden, in the news today, maybe yesterday, I don't remember when it came out, but we start hearing about Russian bonds, Russian bonds possibly defaulting. The IMF came out with some kind of commentary on that today. And then all of a sudden, when you hear that, you think back. In the late 90s, there was a long-term capital crisis that was a big hedge fund, maybe one of the biggest at the time, probably a $120, $150 billion hedge fund at the time. That was big back then. They had a lot of exposure to Russian bonds, maybe the Russian ruble at the time. I'm not 100% sure exactly the facts of the story, but they had to be bailed out from financial institutions here to plug a hole. That simple. Kind of like the thing with Lehman Brothers where they didn't bail Lehman out. Lehman failed, caused a lot of domino-type cascading effects. So they say, I contend those things would have happened anyway. But all I'm saying is, here it comes again where all of a sudden the Russian debt is on the table. There has to be holders of Russian debt. Who are they? Mutual funds. 
pension funds, banks, and everything that sounds like one of those things. So what happens? Well, the value goes down when those things are in trouble. They're not in default, but if they're talking about a possible default, I can assure you they're not trading on 100 cents on the dollar today. So hence, we're looking at the XLF and I'm saying this is a possible canary. This is a possible situation where maybe the XLF chart is telling us something about the whether it's short, intermediate, or longer-term situation with Russian bonds, or maybe it's something different, but maybe it's something in and around that area. Just saying, food for thought, puzzle piece on the table. Smash Mouth kind of looks like everything else today. They almost filled their gap yesterday. I find this one interesting. So yesterday's closing price, 246.30. Today's low, 246.70. Again, 40 cents in a 250 or $251 thing, ETF, stock, it doesn't matter what it is, that's by choice. There are no accidents or coincidences. That's either bullish, they'll continue higher for a while, come back later to fill the gap and go lower, or they're going to come back sooner than later and they're going to go lower. Either way, they'll fill the gap, but for the short term, these things, these type of situations where they miss by pennies can be a bullish scenario. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.